0: Thank you. I think I am I'm Jody Diamond God (laughs) damn it And that's Heavy D and the boys Mr. Big Stuff One of my all time favorites Rest in power to Heavy D Made some good music Uh, Yeah it's your boy Jody Diamond G2 Podcast Streaming on That's Your Man Podcast What's good? How y'all feeling? Everybody all right? I'm delightful So I'm just coming back off my birthday vacation I had a good time, I had a biz all um, As y'all know, i miss to Turn It Down I don't really turn up like that But um, I did hit a couple spots now, Lang City A couple of casinos, a couple of little bars, a couple of little lounges You know, did the damn thing, it was pretty cool, it was pretty dope I was chilling out with my brother, my big OG, BK Shouts to him, reconnected after like almost 10 years My man um, It was a good time, good time uh out of all the good news I got a little bit of bad news found out that my man B flat passed away from a motorcycle accident rest in power to him man Damn, see, this pandemic man fucked a lot of shit up just disconnected a lot of people you know what I'm saying uh, yeah, that that hit me kind of close to home Because he was my dog And like I said, I do have a story about B-flat I may wait till I get my brother BK on the show To tell that story Or I might just tell it before I don't, ain't no telling when I'm going to get him up here to tell the story But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty funny story uh, Like I said, shout out to B-flat, Rest in Power uh, Always rest in power to my brother Black You know, March is our month So, you know, always rough But... He lived for life, so I gotta live life like he did. You understand? Okay. So um, and and on top of that shit, I had to come back and my cargo van got smashed by a bunch of young balls. Like they like they wrecked two, three cars on the block. So anyway, you know, one door closed. Two more doors open. That's how I look at this shit. So, my story for today is um, I did tell you guys that I was going to answer a couple questions that I um, that I get that are the more prevalent questions. So, one question I always get: How you get started in the bouncing business? Who got you started in the bouncing business? What made you do the bouncing? Like, how did you start it? It, it? That was that's that's a big question that I get. So, I'm going to answer that question for you guys today. I've told this story a couple times to a couple people, but I haven't told it a lot. Today I'm going to really break it down. I'm going to tell the story. It's not going to be a real, real long story, but I'm going to tell the story. So, how I got started into the bouncing business. If anybody knows Black and I, the Gemini twins, you know anything about us? You know that you know we started out doing shit in the nightlife. You know all different facets of the nightlife. Um, one thing that we did was um throw parties so like i said i was really big on going to parties black not so much when we were in middle school um to high school but once we got to the end of high school he really kind of started picking up the slack and going to the parties with me Uh, especially when we hit the bars and the clubs like he was all about that shit i don't really think he was big on house parties i don't think that was really his shit um, me, I had I didn't give a fuck. Any party that was popping when I was in like eighth, ninth grade, I had to be there. So um, we we jumped into this nightlife shit head first. Um Start hanging with a bunch of dudes and my little crew from a liquor store, and you know, from on the block and off the Ave and AC and all of that, and. You know, just by us going to the club so much, I think it was me, or I don't know if it was DJ or it was one of the other dudes in the liquor store. I don't know how we came about to think that we need to throw a party. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I don't know where that shit came from. Maybe somebody did a party and we saw a flyer or something. Like I don't. I don't really know what sparked that. But the flame was lit. Like the the wick was lit and the flame was popping. So some kind of way we was all sitting around the liquor store talking about we should throw a fucking party right so it was like three of us that worked in the liquor store that was real tight and then we had like three or four other friends we had the twins we had a couple other dudes like we they we was all real tight and real chill so we's like we can do this shit so we start talking to everybody everybody was with it now everybody excited you think everybody was talking about like let's go in on the pound or you know pound of the twist or let's go in on a on a on some, on some of that white girl. Like, you, you'd have thought we was trying to get some big shit. Like, this was just throwing a party. Like, and Jokers was real excited. This is how hip-hop was back then. Right? So, was ha- when Niggas was when ha- I'm excited about it. And I think one of the clubs where we knew that they only did, like, hardcore hip-hop type shit was the Wonder Guard. the Lang City on Kentucky Avenue. Kentucky and Arctic Avenue. So, I think I went down there. Talked to... I think I talked to Arnie, the man, the owner at the time. I talked to Arnie, and he's like, "Yeah, I give you guys a shot." Uh, so I was like, "All right, cool." So you know, um, we started putting it together, putting the game plan together. So you know, like I said before, back then you had to kind of put together like a little proposal packet and give it give it to the owners or the GMs at the time to kind of show them what your idea was, the scope of your idea for your event. So I did that with my homies. Um, we secured the DJ. This whack ass dude. <sighs> so back then mixtape DJs was the shit. Like the, the shit. So I really wanted somebody dope because we would listen to like Ron DJ Rand from Philly or um, um Funk Flex was real hot. Clue was hot. Um, but they was way too expensive. DJ SNS dumb motherfuckers was charging a grizzip now we ain't had that type of scratch like we really didn't have the type of money they was asking them. especially not clue and the flex if we could even book these motherfuckers like they were so booked like it was hard to even get a date for them they were so booked it was kind of like we'll get back to you and let you know what dates we have available it was that type of shit with them SNS, DJ Rand couple other dudes possibly they we could have booked a date with them but they was still kind of high but nowhere near as high as funk flex and all of them but they was high as hell they was too high for us all of them was too high for us so i'm going down the lines and i see dj doo from new york and i think he's a puerto rican dude or something so i just know i, I heard this mixtape and this the mixtape sounded halfway decent to me and you know at that time everybody had mixtapes on cassette and very people very few people had them on CDs it was cassettes back then back when back in my era um, so we was to listen to people's mixtape CDs and we was like T.J. should do all right so like you know we we hit up his people finally got in contact with his agent hit him up and his prices were somewhat reasonable it was still high but it was it was probably the best price that we got out of all the dudes we was looking to try and get that says a lot because this motherfucker here man goddamn. so we put on the event um he told us terms they he faxed us at this point like damn, they gotta fax you a contract right ain't no e- ain't, ain't, people ain't really using emails regular people ain't really using emails back in the early 90s so and i was like like this gotta be like 94 i guess so um 93 94 something like that so he's he faxes the shit. He, we had him fax it to... Uh, uh, I think it was a fucking Kinko's or something. Somewhere. Where they receive faxes. And then we had to look over the contract. He put a bunch of stipulations in the contract. And, you know, we was looking that shit over. And he's like, oh man, like we can't do half of this shit. So he wanted a room while he stayed down. Um, he wanted a limousine to pick him up. A limousine to take him back. And he wanted like a meal. Liquor. All of this shit. So... I'm looking over with my homies, and they, we like, man, look, some of this shit we just not going to be able to do. So we told them, like, all right, man, we'll figure it out. So I'm trying to figure all this shit out. At the time, I'm dealing with this girl, and she's a limousine supervisor for one of the casinos. I'm not going to say which casino, um, but she was really trying to be on my team real strong and when I I went to her and I was just you know how you just kind of vent to your shorty and you're like hey you know I got this going on trying to do this she's like oh what for her so she was really heavy into the hip-hop scene she just wanted to be down she was like well look I can get you the limousine for nothing I can get the driver to pick him up and take him back after the show I was like what and she's like yeah she's like and it won't cost you nothing just tip the limousine driver so I was like say word so I was like all right cool so she hooked it up. Then she's like then I was telling her the rest of it and she's like Look. She's like, tell him you ain't gonna give him no room for the whole day or no shit. She's like, if he need a room to stay in and chill until it's time for him to go back, we can hook that up. She's like, I can I can hook that up for you too. You don't have to worry about the money. I was like, man, you alright. So she hooked that up. Smooth hooked that up. I didn't even have to come out of my pocket for that. So um did that. And then he wanted like he wanted like a lobster type of... I was like, nah. So now I felt like I can negotiate a little bit better with this dude. So I was like, nah, we're not doing no lobster. But we will provide a meal for you. Like, we'll provide, you know, the local cuisine down here for you. Like, you know, some Italian food or some shit. But I think we did shrimp or something. Some shit like that. But we, I guys like, nah, we're not doing no lobster. And I think he wanted like... A bottle of Dom Pee or some shit. I was like, nah. I was like, you know, you can get some liquor, but it ain't going to be no sham. Like, I ain't getting no Dom P and no Moat no none of that. So, he was like a bottle. Of, oh, I want to say Crown Royal, but it was some brown type of liquor. He wanted like a fifth. So, we got that. Because, you know, we worked at the liquor store. He didn't know that. So, you know, we got that. And um, we made it happen. Then we put the rest of, you know, we did. Um, we got our, um, the rest of the shit ready for the club. We all had matching outfits on we all wore white button up long sleeve shirts with like tan nickies i don't know who i think i came up with one of the one of the homies came up with it but we all wanted to kind of be like because it was like maybe seven of us or something and we kind of wanted to be like they everybody knew who we was and we was in there you know taking care of business all right two of my homies uh shout out to my ogs big billy and big lamont and these was my OGs who bounced that club Deja Vu back in the day. Um, one dude was a fucking enforcer for the Wheels of Soul, and another dude played nose tackle for University of Texas. Big mother, these motherfuckers was heat. Like they my, these my OGs. Like they like my big brothers. So, um, so I hired both of them, they, and they charged me a little something something. But it was a, they knew it was a thug club, so. They was like, yo, we got to charge you something. Like, we can't... You know, I was like, I understand, I understand. So they hit me They, you know, they hit me with a little something, something. So... But I wanted to have some people where if I know I got into some shit, I had some thorough-ass heavy hitters that was going to back me up. So... We had everything set up. get everything popping. And we do the show. First, we started... We tried to do a dress code. Like, I don't know. What the fuck? Like, that shows you just how naive and young we was at that time. Like we was trying to keep we was trying to keep the thugs out but because we did want no static but those the only type of motherfuckers that come down to, to that to that club right and motherfuckers wasn't trying to like you know switch up on dress code none of that motherfuckers was just standing outside across the street it was a Kentucky Fried Chicken across the street at the time so motherfuckers were just standing across the street talking about these and we had no cops so these niggas was like man gosh, these niggas trying to Trying to charge it Ain't nobody going up in there And paying that for that I was like oh man So Artie came to me He's like maybe man Maybe you just want to drop that dress code And just let them come on in And get that money Because the deal he gave me was He let me get the club He didn't even charge me for the club And I thought that was fly Until I figured out The back end of the business So he let me get the club He kept the bar and what I've grown to learn, black and I, is that you have to make sure that you get what's called a bar agreement. And since then, every party that I've thrown with every club that I've done a, a, a venture with, I've always got a percentage of the bar. So you want to get a percentage of the bar. If you ain't getting a percentage of the bar, you losing. Like trust me, that's why clubs and bars. If you know they'll sometimes they'll just be open for free till twelve or eleven, or you know they free till a certain bar or, or ladies in free or. You know they don't start charging until 10 is because as long as you come in and buy some liquor it used to be a thing where you had what was called the two drink minimum now i'm telling my age <sighs> two drink minimum that meant the clubs wanted you to buy you had to normally they had you pay your cover and you had to buy two drinks from the rep like you had to get two drinks off the rep New Jersey, I think, was one of the first places to stop doing that because I think it was a lot of DUIs popping off and then they was going back in court and they were saying, well, the club made me buy two drinks and that might have pushed me over my BCA. You know what I'm saying? So you don't even hear about that no more. Like, that's a, a dinosaur thing. So motherfucker, stop saying it. But it used to be, you come in, you pay your cover and then you had to, there was a two-drink minimum. So you figured, say the cover was $10, your two drinks was going to be $10. The club made $20 just by you walking in the door. Like, period. Like, off each person. So they was trying to guarantee a certain amount of money coming through the venue. You know what I mean? And it was smart. But as a promoter, you, you got to learn these different little things. So Black and I learned this shit. Um, I definitely learned it. Black definitely was on top of it when he was bartending. When he started bartending, he learned a whole lot more of the shit. So... Let me see back on topic so uh, we start letting people in we start charging people start coming in once we drop the dress code um, so once we got that going the DJ this motherfucker he comes in he's trying to spin he's saying something about the equipment was fucked up um, the the turntables fucked up uh, in the club and but the thing was he was drunk. This nigga had got so pissy drunk in the in the in the room at the at the casino that by the time he got there, he started trying to get his set together and spin a scratch. He was fucking drunk as shit. But he kept trying to blame it on the equipment. He kept going on the mic talking about this is equipment is fucked up. It's the kind of shit y'all got down here in Lane City. Now, you know I've told y'all stories. Lane City niggas don't really play with that shit. They want to be New York niggas, but they don't want New York niggas coming down talking about them and talking shit on them. So, he kept doing that and we had to go in there and tell him like, "Yo, man, you got to chill on all of that. Like like, you know, whatever you're saying, you saying, just talk about the equipment. Like don't talk about these niggas." So, he kind of fell back off of that, but the set was horrible. Like he ain't sound shit like his mixtape, like none of that shit. I was like, "Man, but we still made out and I think we we might have broke even like we might have broke even or, or maybe made a little bit more of, of what we put into the venture. Um, but we were so geeked up to be walking around telling girls that we was running the club. We was hosting the club like that was our like we was young. That was our whole thing. That was our whole <laughs> point of existence is to do that because we all got play like all of us got play that I mean from. More than several girls. I think all of us had at least two or three girls that was on our top. It was just crazy. So at the end of the night, Artie came to me. He's like, yo, man, you know, you guys did a real good job considering, you know, it started off slow. But you guys picked up and did real good at the end. Like, we had no fights or nothing. Like, it was just, it was crazy. It was a unicorn. Like, it was some crazy shit. So I don't know because we really didn't check IDs like the way we supposed to. We didn't do no pat downs. All we did was collect the money. Like, that's all we was worried about, really. So, um, Artie was like, Who put this thing together? I was like, I did. He's like, Just you? I was like, Yeah. I was like, it's, These are my peoples. He's like, But who's the person who organized everything? I was like, Me. So, I'm the tallest dude out of the crew. And he just figured, He's like, Okay, well. I like how you did that. I like how you coordinated everything and stuff. How you, know, you got your uniforms and all that, and you got everybody together. Y'all was running real efficient and real tight. Y'all was communicating real good. He's like, "How would you like to be the head of my security?" I was like, "What the fuck?" You thought somebody slapped the shit out of me? Like I couldn't believe he asked me that question. Now, this was not on my agenda per se. Like I didn't go into the night like thinking I can get to bouncing. I could be a bouncer. Like I never. Me and Black never really talked about that. Not not really. Like, we didn't really talk about it like that. We talked more so like bartender, bar manager, shit like that. Um, But we never really talked about being a bouncer or being security for a club. And he offered that shit to me, like, straight to my fucking face. And I was, like, overwhelmed, man. I was like, yes, absolutely. Didn't know nothing about it. Like, I didn't know nothing about it. I'm talking about burden to this shit. And that's how that started. That's how I got my start. I was asked by a club owner, would I like to run his security and be ahead of his security for his club? Because I threw a really good show. And just he liked the way I organized my show. Um, Not for nothing, later on, I found out what he was paying me was bullshit. But like I said, when you're new and you don't know, you don't know. You know, then I had to go back and highlight my boy Billy and and Lamont and them and a couple other dudes who was running security at other spots in the city. And when I started hobnobbing and rubbing elbows with other dudes who were in the business, and now we, you know, we all talk money. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need a serious reevaluation because I'm fighting in this motherfucker every Thursday through Sunday, holding this place down. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So I was like, damn, I got this. Something got to change with this. So that's when he and I had a blowout because I, I demanded more money. Well, I asked for more money. Then he was kind of like, no, then I kind of demanded the shit. He's like, uh, no. And I kind of was like, well, I'm thinking I'm gonna put your nuts in the a, in a, in a vice. I'm gonna just break off I me and my people gonna break off. He bought this other dude in and it didn't go well for him at all. And he asked me to come back and I came back. On a a contractor type basis, like independent contractor type basis. Um, And I think that lasted from 95 till about 97, almost 98. So um, it was real crazy. And it takes me back to something that Tretch said. I, I heard an interview that Tretch had and when i heard the interview i went back and i told my brother black this was back in the uh when naughty by nature was just popping like they was just getting they they low they low shine and tretch came out and said there's a lot of different roles that you can play with this hip-hop shit you don't have to just be in the forefront with the rap and the singing and the dancing and all of that he's like you can be a bodyguard you can be a you can sell food you can have a vendorship you could um, make cds you can make shirts you can design clothes you can make hats you can fucking do banners you can do artwork he's like it's you can do everything with this shit he's like it's our shit he's like everybody can get into every facet of this shit and make money and when he said that shit like to me it made sense and I flew back and I told my brother Black about it. And he was like, yeah, that shit makes sense. And then that's when we kind of really was like, let's let's do this security shit. Along with the artwork shit. And, you know, possibly maybe do some parties or whatever. Until we get up enough experience and enough dough to open up our own shit. Like, the, the end goal was to open up our own shit. You know what I mean? So... Everything was working toward that ownership. And then that's when we did it. But I'll never forget that when Tretch said those words in that interview, it was just dope to me. And that's something that I would impart to you, young brothers and sisters, um, following up with this 50th anniversary of hip hop. That this is our thing. Like, we birthed this shit. And, yeah, you got other people that come into this shit and they want to try and manipulate the machine and make it work for them. And have you work for them. But this is this is our shit. And you better recognize it, and you better step and move accordingly to it. And some shit you got to keep at home. You can't give everything up and give everything away. Or let let other motherfuckers dictate to you because they got bread. Like, take a minute, set your roots, build your own infrastructure, and control it the way you control it. Don't get caught up in the likes. Don't get caught up in the... Because f- there's a lot of fake motherfuckers out here with the fake like shit. Like, one minute they getting 23,000 likes... Forty-five thousand likes, seventy-two thousand likes, one hundred and fifteen thousand likes. Then you see them the next month. For the next two, three months, they two hundred thirty-seven likes, ninety-five likes, eighty-one likes. Which you you ain't pay your account, so you gotta take some time off, and get that money back up, so you can pay for them bots, get them bots back up. You got a lot of fake, a lot of real motherfuckers listening to fake motherfuckers with fake likes. Like that shit is retarded. That fake it till you make it shit is whack. It's been whack. It's always gonna be whack. If you got ten motherfuckers that rock out with you and your brand, get them ten motherfuckers the respect of like a hundred thousand motherfuckers. And you getting it organically. You getting it. You getting it from out the mud. You getting it off the rip. Don't worry about. Look, don't worry about all of that. And if you want a huge fan base, you work and you get it. Don't fake that shit. You get it. Work out there, grind, get it. What I do, I do for my G two peoples. This is a part of my brand, a part of my little machine. This is something extra with the with the podcast, so I can give something entertaining, something creative, you know, hopefully something humorous, you know, and maybe somewhat insightful to to my to my peoples. You know, you spend money with me on the bodyguard shit, on the on the security shit, on the safety services shit, on the logistics shit. You fuck with us on the Gemini twins art shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, whatever. It don't matter. You fuck with me with the personal training shit. You fuck with me with the bouncer um, training shit. Like anything, anything you fuck with with us, with our businesses and our services, then I wanna be able to create a couple things for you. And this is this is one of them. This is one of them. So take your time with it. Take your time with it. But don't hesitate and not do the shit. Don't wait around for the right time. There's a lot of dudes that do that shit. Oh, I'm waiting for the right time. I'm waiting for the right time. Waiting. Man, motherfuckers, they have you waiting you till your grave. They'll wait you right into your fucking grave. And you waiting around on them. All right, well, you go ahead and wait. I'm going to keep pushing. That's the best thing I can impart with that. So that's answer to that question how I got into the bouncing business in nineteen ninety five. I threw my first party. Now I think I got the the flyer somewhere for that shit. So I think we were called P and P Entertainment, Pimps and Players Entertainment. <laughs> it was some, it was some goofy shit. But um I got a lot of that shit. I gotta dig it all up and maybe when I do my YouTube page or something I'll be able to show y'all some of the stuff that um that we had and the flyers and all that whack shit But Like I said It was definitely an experience And it built It built Built us up to where we are today To where it's like Now I know how to negotiate A contract for a party um, I know what to pass on And what to possibly Take a chance on um, How to interact With different promoters And different club owners and, and general managers And all of that You know what I mean Like I know how to I know how to navigate But I put the work in And I had to learn it So that's it uh, the next show I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk about uh, probably the next question I get, I should say for the next show is what uh, what's the worst fights you've been in? So I've been in quite a few bad fights. Um, you figure 30 years of bouncing, shit, uh, some really bad, really, really bad fights, but I'm gonna give you three that are pretty memorable to me. I'm trying to try and do the three, two or three. I don't know. But those will be my next couple shows that I put up. And um, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for staying tuned. Appreciate the love. You know, tell a friend, pass it on. I'm trying to slowly build this joint up. Like I said, we ain't doing no advertising over here. I'm just, um, I'm as off the riff as off the cuff. Um, I appreciate you and shout out to Germany. I'm getting my passport.